She was this gun-toting, whiskey-drinking broad. The super epic fucking broad. She was a pioneer in the industry. She's also so famous and so controversial. So controversial. So she's kind of a big fucking deal. Her story is so incredible. She belongs on this podcast because she's a broad you should know. Hello and welcome to Broads You Should Know, the podcast about amazing and noteworthy women from history. I'm your host, Sarah Gorski, and I'm here again with Chloe Skye. It's me! Chloe is here! My favorite. It's, here. Fa- it's my favorite thing when Chloe's here, really. Aww. Happy to be here. Chloe, you brought me abroad today. You're I presenting. Sure did. I and I don't sure even actually know did. who you're presenting, so I am like super excited. Well, sit on the edge of your seat because part of the reason I picked her is because of your ongoing crazy series. <laughs> I know! Actually, before we dig in, I should say, audience, if you haven't been Longtime listeners, we are in the middle, actually towards the end of what turned into a very large series on women who were called crazy throughout history. We just finished the subset of women who were crazy or not, here I come. So women who were like institutionalized and we're like moving into now these women who were called crazy conveniently. Like I, I'm calling it convenient to be crazy, where uh, the people who like got them committed really benefited from those crazy, like insane declarations. And uh, I'm like, I think I'm going to be mad at this subset because I, uh, which is, I like to be mad sometimes. It's sometimes healthy, I think. Yeah. I think a righteous anger is uh, quite useful. Yeah. So this is what our broad today falls into this category, I believe, right? She could honestly fit into like a number of your categories, but this is, (laughs) this is as good a place as any for her. Okay. Who is she? Her name. And have you heard of Benedetta Carlini? I literally haven't. (laughs) She, if you have heard of her, it is probably because you saw or heard of the recent movie based on her life entitled simply Benedetta. Whoa. And uh, that, uh, it, you might have also read the 1986 book that was based on her life and existence entitled Immodest Acts, The Life of a Lesbian Nun in Renaissance Italy. I'm really excited now for her. <laughs> A renaissance <laughs> lesbian? Oh my god. A nun? A nun? I thought sh- I thought you might be interested. <laughs> yes. I thought we had covered too many nuns lately, but this one needs to be covered. Definitely. She must be covered. And I first heard about her because I watched the movie, and I watched the movie because I'm a fan of the director, and uh, the director was being covered on a podcast that I listened to. Um, called Blank Check, where they cover the filmographies of directors and talk about like the arc of their career and that sort of thing. And not the movie, the actual movie Blank Check that I remember as a kid. No, but I do think they did a special <laughs> episode on that movie just f- for the sake of being called Blank Check. Oh my god! Uh, but it's a Paul Verhoeven film, and the book that the film was based on is based on historical documents that the author Judith C. Brown found in the state archives on a trip to Florence. And almost the entirety of those documents were legal inquests against Benedetta for her alleged crimes against the church. And I Legal and inquests. Yes. Yeah. She was a sinner. She was a heretic. Oh goodness, you have no idea. Oh yes. Because <laughs> it's like it's it's almost unheard of for there to be historical documents and records of women at all from this time because this is like the late 1500s and early 1600s right so like the fact that there's 
a ton of documents on her shows how much of an impact she had and how hard the powers that be were fighting against her having those powers. Yes, certainly it shows how much she upset the patriarchy, that's for sure. She sure did. But before we get into any of that or the reason for legal documents and yada yada, let's go back to the very beginning. Let's start when Benedetta was born in the year 1590 in Villano, uh, a small town in the uh, highlands of central Italy. And uh, her father, before she was born, had been told that neither his wife nor Benedetta would survive childbirth. Yikes. So... Yeah, so he went and he prayed to God and he swore that if they both survived, he would make sure that she became a nun. Sure, as as, as, as you do. Yes, and and I assume you, you came across this in your research doing all these other nuns, but that was basically how women became nuns for centuries. Like, they were pledged either before birth or as children by their parents, and then they had no choice. Yeah, um, it was common, especially in large families. It was like, I think with yeah. Hildegard, she was like the 10th kid, and the 10th kid is like generically always given to the church. <laughs> After nine, they're ours. I mean, partially, Catholic motto. Like partially to give the church staff, but then also like one less mouth to feed at home, I feel like. It's like, yeah, once you have exactly. 10 kids, it's like, Jesus. It's like, <laughs> we, we'll take that one. Pull out, pull out, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a sin too. You can't pull out. Isn't that what the Catholics do? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe no. I might have Catholic. Pulling wrong. out is a sin. Trust me. My sister has told me. <laughs> I'm not ready for this conversation. <laughs> anyway, and and it was I guess in the, in the Council of Trent, which is like years after this, that it was decided that women should be allowed to decide for themselves. Anyway, decide for ourselves. Yeah, but whether or not you emotional. want to be a nun. Uh, yes. We're no. too emotional. We can't Your father is in charge of whether you should nun for life. Oh, my God. Uh, alas. As a small child, Benedetta, like, to, and, and maybe it was because of, you know, her father pledging her to be a nun, but she took to it quickly. She was very much, she was, like, excited about it, <laughs> and she started having these, like, moments that people have since declared to be, like, minor miracles, like, when she was about five years old, she was attacked by a black dog that was, like, roaming the highlands, and it tried to drag her away, but she, like, scared it off, and uh, when her parents arrived, she was like, well, the devil just attacked me, and the form of a dog, and they were like, oh, goodness, I can't believe you were attacked by Satan, uh, you know, he must not want you to... Do do your work. Well, when all you life. tell kids is stories about Satan, they're gonna like see Satan everywhere, aren't they? It's true. Yeah, and and I don't oh know how many God. wild dogs she encountered in her early life, but you know. I mean, aren't they everywhere? I don't even know. I don't. I don't know much about Italy at this time period. That's true. I don't. Were were wild dogs common in 1590s Italy? Mm. Right in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you know. <sighs> and her her education was handled by her father, which was also very rare for the time. It was usually the mother handling the religious education. Or, you know, women just weren't educated at all. But by age five, she could recite all the saints and what they were known for. And she would pray the rosary several times a day. Like, she was, like, all in. She's all in. Oh, yeah. She's all in for God. Ready to be a nun. Like, Ready for Jesus. God saved my life. I'm going to devote myself. She's going to marry Jesus. Yeah. Yep. 
Uh, do, do you know this story? Goodness, spoilers. No, but it's uh, like so familiar with like so many of these other broads we talked about in the visionary section. It's yeah, like not, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I've, I've, yep. I've, done, I've, I've learned so much about <laughs> nuns. I, I feel I could write a book now. So at nine years old, Benedetta joins this community of unmarried women living in the outskirts of Pescia. But these women were, of course, overseen by theatine priests, uh, and their daily lives consisted of prayer and fasting and communal work. And that's basically it. Did they wear the hair shirts? They did. I knew yes. it! Yeah. Our listeners know what those yeah. are from all the other yeah. broads. This is, this is basically like a convent before they were called convents. Right. They were overseen by the Benedictine monks and shit. Exactly. Yes. And and those guys were nuts. They, yeah. Oh, Strict yeah. aestheticism. Yep, they were they were forbidden from speaking to any of the townspeople, and if they ever committed any sin, they had to flog themselves with whips. Like it was hardcore. I think they had to flog themselves like just be, like for no reason too, to show their probably devotion. probably also true. Yeah, that sounds that sounds like the Catholic Church I know and love. <laughs> so, so while Benedetta is in this community, she starts having these visions. Like one time when she's like a little kid, she's praying at a statue of the Virgin Mary and it just falls on her. And she declared this a miracle because she claimed that the statue really wanted to kiss her. <laughs> Early lesbianism in the form of yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> religious Look, zealotry. The Virgin Mary wanted to kiss yeah, me. That Virgin Mary statue was eyeing me out. Like she thought I was hot. I don't know what to tell you. <sighs> and another time, she has this vision of a young, handsome Jesus appearing to her and taking out his heart and putting it in her chest and taking out her heart and putting it in his chest. He says, you can have my heart on the condition that you undergo tremendous suffering to prove your love for me. Sure. And, she, and she's like, yeah, duh. True love. You're Jesus. Like, <laughs> I'll do anything for you. That sounds so much like Frida Kahlo's painting, Two Hearts. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. Huh. I know that's not about that at all. Yeah. But that's uh, what I was, like, envisioning <laughs> when you, as you were describing yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh, at first, the, the men who ran this community were not impressed, saying that, you know, because women are inherently inferior to men, her visions must be coming from Satan. So out of, out of fear or maybe punishment, uh, they confine her to her room. And they're like, you're not allowed to come out because Satan's clearly influencing you. You're too young to be having these visions. You're probably making them up, whatever. Um, <laughs> so jealous. And, and they were so so jealous. jealous. And one day while she's in there, she receives the stigmata. Of course she does. Which is, of course, the wounds from Christ on the cross that just appeared on her body mysteriously after what she says, a light burst forth from a crucifix. And this is something that would have been known to her because it happened to a number of other saints as well. And she, if you remember, oh, yes. has all of her saints memorized, knows what they're known for, knows everything that ever happened to them. Mm-hmm. Anyway, around this time, people people are like, okay, so maybe, maybe this stuff is real. And they start to actually believe her. And she starts preaching, which is... Wait, did she have... Do you know... Did you see in your research, like, did she actually have wounds? Or was it... Were they invisible wounds? She did have wounds. Like, she actually had wounds. And in the movie version, she just does them to herself. 
But it's it's also left sort of ambiguous as to whether like it's all real or if she really did it to herself. And then at one point, like one of the other nuns calls her out and is like, "I literally saw you do it to yourself." And she's like, "Well, if I did it to myself, it's because Jesus made me." Like I don't remember doing it to myself. <laughs> Some of the other broads, though, my favorite—they were like, "I got the stigmata, but they're invisible." <laughs> You can't see them. <laughs> Only me and Jesus can see them, and those ones made me laugh, too. Yeah, no, she she definitely had the wounds. So people are like, okay, I guess this is real. And so they, she starts preaching, and people start listening. and like She starts preach. They let her she, preach? They let her preach. Wow, which is that's actually a huge deal. Unheard of for women, unheard especially of. young women. But people trusted her. They were like, she's a vessel of God. She got the stigmata. She's been having visions since she was a child. She must have been, like, chosen. So she was finally, like, approved by the monks, though. They had to, like, grant her that permission, right? Well, so yes and no. We'll, we'll get to that. Um, okay. All right. <laughs> so, <laughs> at one point, uh, Benedetta has a vision where Jesus asks her to marry him. And mm. she wakes up and she tells all the nuns and their father confessor, you all have to throw us a wedding. Like mm. you have to, you have to gather everyone together and you have to throw us a giant wedding ceremony because Jesus wants to marry me. He asked me to marry him and I'm going to do it. So they put together this giant wedding ceremony. A lot of them are kind of like low key, like we're probably about to witness like a real life miracle. Like this is, this is it. If Jesus said, throw a giant wedding, he, this might be the day he comes back. Like who, we're going to see some crazy shit. So let's throw out like a blowout wedding for this girl. Some good mushrooms in Italy, it sounds like. <laughs> but then the, the wedding happens and there's no miracle, nothing happens. It's all just like a celebration of Benedetta and it goes pretty normally considering what it is. <laughs> and so all the nuns immediately start to mistrust her. They're like, she's making all this up. She loves her party a little too much for their taste. Yeah, basically. So at this point, they're like, you know, we should probably let the provost know what's going on and have him come investigate this to see if it's uh -huh. real. I will say, like, the fact that she had a confessor means that they were sort of taking her seriously. Because your confessor would be the person you would, like, tell all those things to. I mean, the the, the whole convent had a, con like, they had a, just, like, a go-to confessor. Yeah. He was just, like, the guy that all the nuns had to confess all their sins to. But he's also, like, your mentor, like, your spiritual guide yeah. and shit like that. Yeah. So also true. But, like, throughout this whole time, she's, like, one of the most strict nuns in terms of her own like following of the rules jesus apparently ordered her to be vegan in one of her visions in order vegan. to specifically vegan did that word exist back the, then? the word didn't exist but she was ordered to not eat eggs or dairy or meat this is why you like her <laughs> <laughs> that's it that's it she's a vegan i'm a vegan we're vegan we're vegan <laughs> sisters like we gotta do what we gotta do stick together yo and she's only allowed to drink water she can't drink anything else and and she's also apparently assigned a male guardian angel named splenditello uh <laughs> who is supposed to appear to her in visions to point out when she's failing splenditello splenditello it sounds like a ninja turtle it, <laughs> it kind of does <laughs> Um, no, no offense, Benedetta, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But Splendidello, he's you know he's popping in here and there, being like, "You're too fat. You gotta fast better." Like, <laughs> oh my 
my God. You're not vegan enough. You're screwing this whole thing up. Jesus not isn't going to love enough. you. Not vegan enough. None of us are vegan enough. That's true. That is true. It's that Splendatello speaking directly through Sarah. You're saving so much money right now. Egg prices are so high. I bet You're that's saving true. so much money. Gosh, I'm so happy to be vegan. <laughs> So, all right, the provost comes, the provost of Pescia, and he examines her stigmata wounds. And every time he does, like, he he checks, like, every couple of days, like, sort of randomly to be like, all right, what's going on with your wounds? And they're always, like, either covered in dried blood or are, like, actively bleeding. Because she keeps picking her scabs. Well, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe Jesus just keeps stabbing her because she's failing so hard at following (laughs) Splendatello's rules. I don't know what to say. I can't get through Splendatello. I don't know why. I haven't wanted to make fun of the other nuns this way either. I don't know why I'm laughing so much. It's it's my energy. I think I'm bringing that to it. (laughs) It's the way I'm telling the story. It's my tone. But there anyway. is something about, there's something that's like a childlike ridiculousness about like, there like some of the other women like, okay, do you remember like Catherine of Siena? Did you listen to that episode mm-hmm. where she was like, Jesus offered me my wedding ring, which was his foreskin. Like that was like <laughs> some dark, weird shit, right? Yeah. But this is like little girl, like rainbow unicorn shit. It is. She, like splendid tell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I think that's why I'm leaning into the laughing too. That's fair. That's fair. And it's also late at night, so we're a little slap happy. So Maybe. So th- thankfully, th- according to someone who you also have covered named St. Teresa of Avila. Yes. Has, has said that stigmata is not the only way to verify whether a mystic is real. That you should really also be studying the mystic's behavior. Like, is she humble about her specialness? Mm. And Benetetta passes that test. Well, I mean, she does frequently, like while she's preaching, speak about how virtuous she is. And she speaks very highly about like how well she's following all these rules. She she never claims to be Jesus's placeholder. She only ever says that she's his servant and everything mm. she does is for Jesus. And so it's like, well, you know, she's not like, and she's not doing it all for herself. She seems to be doing it for Jesus. So maybe it's real. She also right. passes the test of pride uh, in that when she's having her visions, she's not filled with like joy. She doesn't feel like I'm better than you because I'm having visions. Like usually she says that these visions caused her pain. Mm-hmm. And also she says that in the visions, Jesus isn't telling her how amazing she is. He's pointing out all of her imperfections. Mm. And while she's awake, she spends all of her time trying to live up to his standards, fasting extremely dangerously in an attempt to purify her body and try to stop her periods, mm. which is also potentially because the church is teaching at this time that menstruation is a punishment for Eve's sin of eating the apple. Well, it is. Obviously. <laughs> God damn it. I, I, mean, I can't even say it. That me. goes without saying. Sure, this natural thing that brings children, like, into the world that allow Anyway, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, but still, the investigators are not 100% convinced. They have her in a room one day. They're sort of, like, looking at her stigmata. They're like, ah, it doesn't... It seems kind of healed, like, maybe... <laughs> I don't know what to tell. So so she leaves the room, and they're kind of talking it over. Like, what do you think about this? Like, what's going on here? Did she rip her scabs off again? She runs back into the room, and she's suddenly bleeding profusely from the head as though she's been, like... The crown of thorns? Crowned with the crown of thorns. Oh, my God. 
That clever girl. Yep. And for the rest of the day, she's in she's in too much pain for the interrogation to continue. Every time they try to ask her questions, she's like, I can't. I simply can't. It's <laughs> It hurts too much. I do love her. She's great. And she also, at one point, the provost is going to interrogate her another time. And Benedetta suddenly has a vision in front of everybody uh, and speaks with the voice of... Uh, her Ninja Turtle guardian, and says that if the provost continues to investigate her, God is going to unleash the Black Plague on Pescia. Oh, my God. Which is one of the last places in Europe that has not been touched by the Black Plague. This is, like, too much for the provost. And he's like, all right, investigation over. It's real. Let's <laughs> let's go. We got to get out of here. God, God oh says we're going to get yeah, the Black Plague. The patriarchy is so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> And so he validates her visions and reinstates her as the abbess of her convent. Oh, shit. So she's like she's like the head bitch in charge at this point. Oh, those other bitches probably weren't too happy. They were not. <laughs> because apparently she starts to institute all these policies where everyone has to be as strict as she has been. They all have to be vegan now. They all have to flog themselves more. Nobody's allowed to have periods anymore. Like, it's it's hardcore. Dang, Benedetta. Oh, yeah. She's, like, she's ruthless. And around this time, her visions change. Instead of Jesus showing up and telling her, like, you're too fat, like, whatever, all her, his usual stuff, it's a bunch of evil men asking her to forsake Jesus and run away and marry them. And when she says no... They attack her and try to rape her. But Splendatello just, like, leave? He wasn't there helping her? You know, it doesn't say much about Splendatello at this point, probably because, you know, she wasn't, like, keeping a journal and that wouldn't be in the legal documents or anything. So, so it's hard to say, but it was uh, noted that these visions, these painful visions, they could last for six to eight hours. They could last all night. And so the nuns are like, okay, rather than just let you suffer through this, they assign her a young nun named Bartolomea Crivelli to stay in her room with her and just make sure, like, just watch her all night and make sure she's okay. Like she doesn't bite her tongue or some shit. Yeah, exactly. Uh, apparently, on March 21st, 1621, Benedetta is about 30 years old at this point, she dies. And her spirit is commanded to return to her body and she comes back to life. And potentially that was, like, days later. Like, she's, like, just... What? She's declared dead. She's been dead for days. And someone's like, look, come back to your body. And then she just wakes up. And she's like, I was dead. I went to heaven. I saw what it was like. I know that I'm definitely going there. But I also know that all of you can go there if you follow my rules very strictly. Oh, my God. She probably took that... She probably took that same poison that Romeo and Juliet took, Yeah. It is possible. It, it was around. So a second investigation is opened. Uh, it doesn't explicitly say in the records why, but the author of this book believes that it's probably because a bunch of the nuns are, like, reporting her for being too hardcore. But the, the author also believes that the second investigation might have been opened because of the nuncio's prejudice against Benedetta's hometown of Volano. Because as it is widely known at the time... The devil loves it in the mountains. He likes high places. He likes isolated places. And that's where she's from. And so the nuncio, who's like the higher up person than the provost, he's like, 
you know, she could have easily been taken over by the devil because women are, you know, much more susceptible so to vulnerable. Satan. So vulnerable. Way, you know, that's the whole thing with Eve. She was susceptible to Satan. Adam was strong enough to say no, but she just couldn't help herself. If Satan lives in the mountains and she's from the mountains, Satan could just be doing this whole thing. I can't believe I've been looking for Satan near the ocean this whole time. Foolish. Foolish. For goodness sake. Go to the mountains <laughs> or the desert. That's that's where Satan likes to hang out. This this second investigation that the nuncio handles is is much stricter. He like looks into the records and he notices some contradictions in her story uh, that the provost must have missed, particularly like the idea that Benedetta had to set up this giant wedding ceremony. He's like, Jesus wouldn't make you do that because Christ is all powerful. So if he wanted you to have a wedding, he would have just thrown you a wedding. And who is this fucking dude? <laughs> the nuncio. I didn't write his name down. The nunc- you know. No, I don't want his name. I just yeah. want to know like. Yeah, he's the nuncio. With, with what authority? <laughs> he's he's of, of more authority than the provost. They also couldn't confirm the names of any of the angels that Benedetta has been meeting and talking with, like Splendatello. <laughs> They're like, uh, we don't see anything in the Bible about Splendatello. <laughs> it's because he's a Ninja Turtle. <laughs> yeah. They're like, this character isn't going to be invented for 300 more years. Like, we don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Splendatello is a turtle. I, uh, legit, I think I'm going to paint a picture of Splendatello next time I get my paints out. I hope it so. It has to happen. Uh, it's a mixture of an angel and Donatello, the Ninja Turtle. Like, yeah, it's going to be some sort of, like, Pegasus unicorn. Yeah, pouring Ninja Splenda Turtle. into his tea. <laughs> Splendatello. It's so Italian, too. It's, it it's just so Italian. Yeah, it's exactly uh, the name an Italian child would name their imaginary friend. <laughs> le- legit! Like, this is, like, what, yeah, this is why I started up. laughing in the first place. Like, this is a kid's imaginary friend. Yep. Um, but anyway, this, this second investigation empowers a number of these nuns to come forward with confessions that they did not mention the first time around. Oh, wow. So one of the nuns, there's this moment where Benedetta has like, I saw this statue of Jesus just started bleeding, like all of a sudden. And one of the nuns says, well, I actually witnessed you putting your own blood on that statue and making it look like it was bleeding. So I don't think it just spontaneously bled i think you hurt yourself and then made us all come look how dare she i know right and another one claimed that they witnessed her late at night after everyone was asleep sneaking into the kitchen and eating salami (laughs) the vegan yeah yeah late at night she's not vegan she she'll go she's gotta get some salami which is something she, you know, she'd promised her husband Jesus she'd never do this again. She's like, I'm, I swear, hubby, no more salami. <laughs> but midnight I can't hits, stop and she turns into a gremlin. <laughs> Just like, gotta eat. It's after midnight. Anyway, but the the worst of these testimonies comes from Bartolomea herself, the one who's uh, been assigned to. I her was bedroom. just gonna ask, were they lesbians together? So Bartolomea says that you know she's there to aid her in any way she needs. She claimed that Benedetta would wait until she disrobed and then would call for help. Say, oh, I need you, come over here. And then when she came over to help her, she would pull her onto the bed, forcibly climb on top of her and quote, kiss her as if she was a man. And apparently this could go on for two to three hours. 
and she would stir so much on top of her that eventually, quote, we both corrupted ourselves. Well, <laughs> I love that description of it. Corrupted ourselves. Yeah, and this and this went on for years. And uh, she hated it. And she oh, totally, absolutely, absolutely hated it, and just didn't bother to mention it until she was under investigation. In the movie. Was she, like, super hot and, like... In the movie, she's way into it. Like, she's, like, yeah. She's, she's like, slutty. an aggressor. She's, like, helping helping it along. And the reason she ultimately comes forward and confesses is because the nuncio shows up and starts literally torturing her and is like, we're not going to stop torturing you unless you tell us Benedetta's full of shit. Dang. So maybe that's what happened. <laughs> maybe this is what happened. But it's it's hard to tell. Because again, all of the only records we have are the court records. Right. And my favorite note from these court records is that the part where the, these these quotes are coming through from Bartolomea, the, the person whoever what what's it called the stenographer, um, the like person the, who like copies like the court down, reporter, yeah, the, the court like, reporter, yeah. who was so uncomfortable <laughs> that while he's quoting her, the the writing just gets increasingly illegible. <laughs> just getting sloppier and sloppier. He just, like, can't handle himself. You know why those guys were so mad? They didn't even know women could orgasm. That was a big point in a lot so of the research. So to hear that two women orgasmed each other was too much. Yeah. It was too much. To, to, to corrupt yourself without the use of a man? Like, this is, this is no, unbelievable. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm insinuating they don't even know that women could have orgasms. That is also probably true. <laughs> <laughs> Benedetta claims that although this may have happened, it was only when she was being possessed by Splendatello. Oh my and that, goodness. And that it, it wasn't Splendatello, a sin. Splendatello, that rep's <laughs> It wasn't a sin because women having sex together is a sin, but a man having sex with a woman is not a sin, especially if the man is an angel. So... The whole time they're doing this, she she assumes the identity of Splendatello. Oh my god! And That's I just horrible. can't imagine being the woman and having this other woman who I'm supposed to be taking care of being like, "Hey, I'm actually Splendatello now. I gotta corrupt you." <laughs> Do you want to corrupt together? Yeah, you wanna you wanna corrupt again? <laughs> Remember last time? Wasn't that great? Oh my god. So that is, that is too much. So usually at this time, lesbians are immediately burned at the stake. And rather than suffer that fate, Benedetta finally acquiesces and agrees that her visions were the work of Satan and not God. And mm. the nuncio takes uh, pity on her, you know, obviously driven by the belief that women are more impressionable to Satan and simply orders her to step down as abbess and then imprisons her for the next 35 years. 35? Just 35? I mean, basically until she dies, because 35 years later is when she dies. Uh. Her fellow nuns are forbidden from speaking with her. She just spends the rest of her life imprisoned in the convent, not allowed to talk to anybody. Ugh. When, but when she dies at the age of 71, her funeral is attended by people from far and wide who all want to show up and honor Jesus' wife. Interesting. So regardless of the nuncio saying, you know, this is all bullshit, the common people did not agree. They were, they were still very taken by the fact that this is Jesus' wife. This is, this is the one. 
So That's interesting. Or do you think they were all closeted gays and lesbians who were like showing support? I mean, I would love or maybe to believe some that combo. that is the case. I, I, it could be both. If I was a, a little gay child at the time, I guarantee I would look up to her. Yeah, you'd be like, oh, splendid tell like, come to me. Yeah, I'd be like, I, you know, life in a convent doesn't sound so bad. No. Just have to fake a few visions. They'll assign me a, a woman to live in my bedroom and uh, we can get to corrupting. I like, I'm kind, I think I'm surprised there were like, able to keep it a secret for so long. Honestly, yeah. No one else in the fucking whole it's, church it, like heard them or like thought there was weird shit going like that's crazy to me. Honestly, that that is in the movie, that is what causes the second investigation to launch. Uh. Is one of the other nuns like cuts a hole in the wall and watches them one night and then <laughs> is like I have to go visit the nuncio immediately. And she leaves and comes Cuts back a with hole him. In the wall. What yeah. a curve. And then there's a scene where they like scour the room looking for sex toys and they find like a dildo carved out of a statue of the Virgin Mary. And like it's <laughs> it's much more it's much more salacious in the film. I'm sure so, that exists. I'm sure that there is a dildo Virgin Mary out there. I guarantee there is. There's yeah. probably a whole line of like Christian themed sex toys, like that seems that seems like a very real thing to me. Yeah, but that's um, but that's the story of Benedetta Carlini, the wife of Jesus, who was sometimes taken over by Splendidello. I wonder what happened to him. You know, I I haven't heard that name since. So I, it's like he he didn't possess anybody else. He chose this one woman. Did she die of? Did you say natural causes? I. I mean, she died of, like... uh, Old age? It was... She was 71, but it was specifically, like, an illness that you get if you're being confined in a cell and not fed properly and, like... Like, she had, like, bed sores and stuff. Like, she wasn't... She wasn't well for a long time, and I feel like if she hadn't been imprisoned, she might have lived longer, but, like, basically solitary confinement, you know... 35 yes. years seems even longer than I would have expected for that. She just seemed like a fucking girl who loved life. Yeah. And wanted to, like, do the things she wanted to do yeah. and figure She's out like, how I to can, do them. I can get what I want. I was pledged to Jesus from a young age, so I'm going to make, I'm going to, and I want a wedding. Everyone else gets a wedding. I want a wedding. Yeah. So like, that's throw my, me a wedding. Jesus said you have to. She was just like a, a girl who knew what she wanted and knew how, and was, I mean. I knew that if you said Jesus said you have to give it to me that people would give it to her. I mean, she wrote the right narratives, right? She did. She, she did, and what, she was... She knew what to say. She knew how to, like, corroborate, like, to mm-hmm. corroborate, quote, in quote marks, like, enough for, that the inquisitors would, like, yeah. be fooled. And if, and if she did cause, like, if she stabbed those wounds into her own wrists, like, she did it over and over and over and over to continuously prove that it was real. Like, she was... I mean, she does sound like a nut, too, so, like, I don't put it up half. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, she was willing to do whatever she needed to continue either selling this story if it was made up, or, you know, I'm sure there's people out there who are like, no, it was real. So take your side, uh, take the story how you will, and that's Benedetta Carlini. And, and Splendidello. Splendidello. Her yeah. Ninja turtle. Honorary broad. <laughs> Her honorary angel turtle. That's 
<laughs> honestly not the direction but the, the thing I thought would become like a recurring Did joke I ruin it? This. No, it's great. I love it so <laughs> That's much. That's the first thing I thought when I'm you I'm so said happy it. about it. It never crossed my mind and Because it sounds a little like it. like Donatello is what I guess what I was associating. Donatello, Splendidello. Yeah. It sounds like a yeah. what color? I wonder what color bandana he wore. <laughs> Splendatello likes a pink bandana, I think for sure. Is that is that the color the Splenda packets are? I couldn't tell you. That's I don't, that's Splendatello's. Splenda in my daily, in my diet. Yeah, that's fair. It's disgusting. What do you what do you think of Benedetta? You know what? I just love her. I she is like so compared to like the other women we covered recently that were visionaries. Like her her kind of. I'll just say manipulations of, of the system are like, they seem a lot more obvious to me than, than they did for the other. Like, obviously that was a question with the other women too, is like, did they just know how to wield kind of the system in their favor in this time period? And I think the answer is yes. And maybe for some of them, it was a combination. Like they really did believe, you know, maybe they really did believe they, you know, but it doesn't sound like she really believed it. I mean, that she sounds more like she, 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 you know. she, at the very least, she stuck to the story that she definitely believed it until she died. And yeah. the, the, the movie comes down pretty firmly on the idea that she definitely believed it. Yeah. As to whether that's true, I don't know. You know, it's a work of fiction based well, on I a guess real what, woman. I guess what makes me think that is like the, the, the fact that she liked it, like recarved her own wounds constantly and stuff like that. Like that, you know, for me, that speaks to like, a kind of a charlatany vibe, you know, like yeah, I, yeah, oh, I need to I fool would... people, or like oh, I need to fool the Inquisitor. I need to do. Whereas I did not feel like in the research I did, at least on the other women, that that manipulation didn't seem so direct. Like they could have been making up their their vision stuff, but they weren't um, kind of setting up <laughs> similar. Mm-hmm. Oh, the statue was bleeding. <laughs> <laughs> Don't test the blood on the statue, though, and compare it to mine. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, none of that stuff would have worked in the age of <laughs> DNA testing. CSI would not allow it. CSI Benedetta. <laughs> CSI Splendetto. Yeah, would would watch that show. Yeah, if Splendetto was one of the cops, for sure. <laughs> He's like the partner of the like main chick. Yeah. <laughs> Chloe, maybe I think you should write the script. Maybe I will. I mean, I'm I'm looking to I'm looking to be an enemy of the Catholic Church again. So that seems like a good plan. Oh, did you stop being an enemy of the Catholic Church? No, I think they're just not like super aware of me. They but I could I could be right like now. I could be like on their shit list and get protested and stuff. Uh, if this episode gets wildly popular, that might have already happen. God, let's hope so. Yeah, that would be great for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> But terrible for you. Terrible for Chloe, but great for Sarah, so it's all good. I'm just kidding. <laughs> There's a give and a take. Halfway. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, you. God, you, Benedetta, what a broad. What a broad. I love her. She is. I'm very entertained by her, and in, in the best way. Yeah. I've I've watched the movie <laughs> several times because I just I really get a kick out of this woman and her just like. Now I have to watch it. I yeah. I haven't seen it. I do think you would enjoy it. It it, it does get a little like intense in a few parts especially when like the nuncio shows up and starts torturing people but like oh. for the most part it's just like it's sort of it's almost a satire but i thought you were gonna say it's too intense because the lesbianism was too intense and i was like ooh, now i really want to watch no the, le- <laughs> the lesbianism could be more intense but it also but it also is pretty intense okay so i won't watch it with my mom uh, <laughs> no because okay. uh yeah i think she'll i think she might be uncomfortable it's too much 
too much. <laughs> once they once they carve the the Virgin Mary dildo and it's presented as a gift and then they like start eye fucking each other. Yeah, it's it's something. <laughs> Color me intrigued. Ah, yeah. oh, thank you, Chloe. She Benedetta is great. She is definitely abroad. I'm glad we all know now. Yes, I'm very happy to bring this story to all of your listeners. Apologize to anyone I may have offended along the way. What? Uh, but no, this, we don't I, apologize to offend. Oh, great. No. Well, be offended. Catholic, it's okay. Yeah. It's. <laughs> I am, I'm very colored by my own Catholic upbringing, so it is what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. To learn more about Benedetta Carlini and see some paintings of her and other stuff from this episode, head on over to broadsyoushouldknow.com. While you're there, click on over to the About page to read more about Chloe and me. Our bios, photos, links to all of our cool stuff is all there. Are you following Broads You Should Know on social yet? We're on Facebook and Instagram at Broads You Should Know and Twitter at BYSK Podcast. To suggest a broad, fill out the form on our website or email us at broadsyoushouldknow at gmail.com. Are you a fan of this podcast? Help spread the word about us. Share your favorite episode with your friends and family and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That helps new listeners to find us. Broads You Should Know is produced by me, Sarah Gorski, and edited by Chloe Skye, with original music by Darren Callahan. Finally, if you were really drawn into the story about Benedetta Carlini, you should listen to some of our other episodes on our nuns. We've got Teresa of Avila, Hildegard von Bingen, Marjorie Kemp, and Catherine of Siena, and our favorite nasty nun, Julie Daubeny. See you next week for another Broad You Should Know. <laughs>